I know these are challenging times, but we're doing so much work with so many great clients out there around positioning. And I think now is the time to take a hard look at everything and retool your business the way you really want to run it in the future. It's an opportunity right now, really. Today, we're talking all about positioning and what does it mean to you and your business? Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, helping home professionals, industry influencers, and creatives accelerate their business through an improved social media presence by translating digital influence into physical success. Whether your focus is interior design, travel and tourism, or hospitality, this is your social media tightly fastened. Now welcome the hosts of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell and Natalie Graff. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, Darla, the Yellow Jersey Powell, and I'm joined by Natalie Pacecar-Graff. Natalie, how the hell are you? <laughs> wow. Natalie, it's my favorite time of year. I know. Well, second favorite. Second. Oh, what's your first? <laughs> Thanksgiving. Oh, that's just because you like to eat. I do. <laughs> but the Tour de France is on right now as we're recording this. Today was stage four, and we're talking four, five-hour long races. Julian Alaphilippe is still in the yellow jersey as of the end of stage four. I'm pretty sure, you know, of course, France is rooting for him because France, I don't think, has won a Tour de France since, don't quote me here, but like 1975 or something like that. That's before I was born. Oh, uh, now you can just shut up. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> now, just saying. Just saying. Natalie, before we get into today's show, we have some housekeeping. Yeah, what's that? Well, remember before the whole pandemic situation, I was scheduled to talk at RISA? Mm, vaguely. Well, guess what? It's back on on September 22nd at 2 p.m. Oh, okay. Virtual. That's... So if you're a stager and you want to know how to market your business successfully on social media, just head on over to wingnutsocial.com. Go to the little podcast tab. Check out this episode. And those details should be in the show notes. If not, they'll be in the next episode. So that's our little house cleaning. House cleaning. Cleaning. House cleaning. You, know, you do need to clean, but we won't go there. Oh, hush. I'm just saying. Natalie, today we're talking all about positioning. What's positioning, Natalie? Well, depends on how you look at it. <laughs> well, right now you're upright. So that's your current position. Oh, I wish I was not upright. <laughs> <laughs> rough night at the fire station? A rough night. Rough night. Yes, yes. I glutton for punishment. I had to venture out and see what it was like at other stations. And, you know. A little busier, huh? Yeah, a little busier than my normal station, but hey. Natalie, do you remember when we had Kelly Campbell on and she was talking about now during the pandemic might be a good time to take a look at your positioning and see where you're at with it? I do. And positioning basically is where are you going to fall when someone goes to look at your business and what's going on is, okay, what's your position? What's your stand, right? Well, let's find out. Today's guest, Shannon Lee, is going to tell us all about it. Let me tell you guys a little bit about today's guest. Shannon Lee is the Win Without Pitching Director of Coaching. She spent 10 years in senior senior marketing and communication roles at Fortune 500 companies before moving into a business development leadership role at a Seattle design firm. Shannon later joined Catapult New Business, where she worked with agencies to build and lead their business development programs. In her current role, Shannon helps clients translate the win without pitching ideals into real change with lasting results. So let's see if Natalie was correct about positioning. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Shannon Lee to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Shannon Lee. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I am good today. It's sunny in Seattle and that always makes us happy. Oh, today's the day. 
Yeah, today <laughs> is the, the day. one day. <laughs> <laughs> the one day that is sunny in Seattle. I've been there. It's actually quite pleasant out there. I would love to go. Maybe not quite now, but I would love to go to Seattle. Pike's Place Market. I just like watch them throw the fish. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> it's good fun. I'll host you anytime. Oh, excellent. And then can I go to the market and get all the good stuff there so I could actually cook? Because it's every chef's dream to walk through that market and see everything that you can go home with. It is. Totally agree. And I will make you get some deep fried chicken gizzards and some of the mini <gasps> donuts too. Yes. Oh, no. Natalie's not in for that, but I'm I I'm not sure in am. for that, but Darla is for sure. One of my favorite cuisines, and I'm quite the connoisseur of this style of eating this food, is called white trash cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I worked some overtime last night and pretty much got my <laughs> handed to me. So I apologize if I fumble through some of this podcast, but I texted her last night, hey, Darla, what do you want for dinner? I'll try to make a decent dinner tomorrow night. Her answer was fried chicken. I asked, I'm like, um, what about your diet? She's like, what diet? I'm like, okay, we got this. <laughs> All right, enough. Can you tell we're hungry? It's lunchtime. <laughs> All right. So Shannon, before we welcomed you to our fine award-winning podcast here, I asked Natalie, I said, Natalie, what is positioning? And she took a stab at it. Oh, I can't wait. I don't even remember what I said. What did you say? Well, you know, I'd probably have to go back to listen to really remember because my brain is just <laughs> okay. toast. So this shows you that clearly she has no set definition in her head. So what is positioning? Positioning, you ready? Da, 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 da. Positioning in all seriousness is fundamental business strategy. It is uh -huh. what you need to do to make sure that the world knows who you help and how you help them and what's different about you. I think I said something about along the lines of where you might fall. She did say something along something those lines. Along those lines. So <laughs> where, where you might fall, like off the sidewalk? In her case. Or a chair. I don't know. <laughs> it just depends. <laughs> I knew what I meant in my head. And as long as I know that, that's good. Right when the pandemic started, we had our business coach for the agency on Kelly Campbell. And she was talking about during this time, this kind of respite, you know, with the COVID going on, now's a good time to rebrand and think about your positioning. Is it where you want to be? Maybe now is a good time to rethink it and make sure your position is nailed. So let's dive into a little bit about what would that look like? Describe a business A, B or C and, and give me like an example of positioning just to make sure the audience really understands clearly more than Natalie's definition. I'll give you a couple. I'm going to start with the company that I work for, Win Without Pitching. So our positioning is we are experts in sales training for creative professionals. And so the what that we do is sales training. The who that we do it for is creative professionals. Now, one of my clients, an interior design firm in Sydney, Australia, her positioning is interior design for the hardest working rooms in your home, which to her mean the laundry room or utility room in your closets. So it's the discipline, what she does, and the market, who she serves. Okay. I like that, actually. The hardest working rooms in show business. James Brown. Why do some businesses struggle with positioning while others, it doesn't really matter? Because it's really an exercise in sacrifice. And people are just afraid, frankly, sometimes that they're going to get left behind or they're having to pigeonhole themselves into one area and they're not going to get to do a lot of fun, different things. And they might get bored just doing one thing. So there's a lot of reasons. It largely is because it's an exercise in sacrifice, and that's scary to tackle sometimes. Can you have a positioning statement that covers more than one position? Is that a thing? Or do you really have to be super direct and niche? Or what's the word I'm looking for? I get what you're saying. I think there's different ways to slice and dice it. Like you can be really narrow in a vertical, right? Like you can do marketing for banks, or you can be an expert in an audience like 
millennials or working moms, right? <laughs> so you can look at it from like vertical or demographic or a point of view, right? You may just have a very strong point of view, which means you're bold about saying who you are, why you believe what you believe, and why you believe there's a certain way to approach the work. So there's a lot of ways to slice and dice. As a business owner, when do you know that says, hey, you know, dummy, your positioning's not right? <laughs> what are some telltale signs for that? I think your biggest clue is in the sale. When you have a hard time explaining who you help and how and how you're different than other firms that that prospect might be talking to. And you see as a result that that prospect talking to you doesn't let you lead in the sale. They don't seem to be bought in on the fact that you can get the job done. They try to haggle on price. Those are some of the clues that you can watch for. Okay, so let's talk about when you do figure out what your positioning stance is, your angle about making it a positive spin rather than what you do that other people don't. You know what I'm saying? So like other agencies don't do this or other agencies don't do this. So when you're writing your positioning statement, how important is that to maintain that positive vibe? I think it's super important. And I think while it's good to have a sense of maybe who your competitors are, it's really hard to totally know and to really know what's going on inside other firms and so I feel like that can be just a negative kind of rabbit's hole to go down. And so I think you really should focus on what makes you the best at something and what is your particular opinion or perspective on how you think the work should be brought to bear and what are the outcomes that you bring as a result? That's all the good stuff to focus on and not get too worried about what the competition is doing or not doing. So the people in the audience that are listening to this right now who are like, you know, I am a little broad reaching. People look me up. They don't know exactly how to help someone. I'm not helping them with something specific like closets or laundry rooms. How does one take that deep dive within for their business and figure out what the hell their positioning should be or what best suits them? Tell them where they get started. I think that it, first of all, is an exercise that needs to be led by the owner of the firm. And it's an exercise that requires some bravery and some thought, right? And some kind of sitting and sifting and sorting. So it needs to be a thoughtful exercise where you're examining the things about your business that you think you can lay a claim of expertise to, or you're thinking about something in, in the future that you're going to build expertise around that maybe you're not great at today, but you want to get there. And so it begins by just looking at an idea for focus. And that's what I was talking about a little earlier when I talked about who do you help and how. So it's choosing a discipline, largely for your group. It's probably interior design. And then choosing a market that you serve or a speciality within that discipline. And so that's the beginning of the exercise and trying to keep it really clean and generating ideas around market and discipline before we start to let you add what we would call flowery or descriptive language to build that elevator statement that kind of rolls off the tongue when somebody asks you what you do. So that's the starting point. That's what I was going to say is how the positioning statement differ from an elevator pitch. Is it basically the same thing? Yeah, it's basically the same thing. And what we like to do is have you create a positioning statement. So interior design for the hardest working rooms in your home, and then create what we call reassurance statements. And reassurance statements really speak to the outcomes that your clients can expect, the business benefit you're going to provide. So it may be that the hardest working rooms in your home, like your laundry and utility, now become a joy to walk into and become functional and become a space that you look forward to spending time in. It's not a drag anymore. That's not you know so eloquently worded, but that's the point. 
So what if you are an interior designer in Miami <clears throat> and you do contemporary design, right? But you don't have like, okay, we don't specialize in mid-century modern. We don't specialize in closets, although Natalie and I used to. We don't specialize. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I know what's that. behind that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So we do gut, we do renos, we make rooms beautiful. But so how do we find what? makes us different. I remember back when I first started working with Nicole Heimer, when I very first started in the interior design industry, she says, well, what makes you different than other interior designers? I'm like, hell if I know. Yeah. I mean, don't we all make rooms pretty? So I think a lot of us struggle with that the most. What's your advice there? Well, a couple things come to mind for you specifically. You said the word contemporary. So that might be something if we were working through this together that I would kind of push into a bit and say, what do you mean by that? Let's talk more about that. Let's try to define some things through your lens. The other thing is, and I haven't known you long, but in listening to the podcast and reading and just following you a bit, you have an amazing, fun, irreverent personality. And part of what you bring to the work that you do is that. And so there is a way for you to kind of go all in on who you are and your personality and your perspective on how things are done that could help differentiate you from others in the interior design space as well. And not everybody can do that. Sometimes it's a hard thing to figure out how to just narrow into kitchen design only. And I understand that. And while I'm going to push, right, push to really mm -hmm. see how uncomfortable you can get and where we might go and to trying to really narrow the positioning, it's also really worth looking at a strong and kind of irreverent and polarizing perspective that might be what separates you. And you know, that works. That works really well. Yeah. Because what we found is that gets you your ideal client in a couple of ways. You're going to really have fun working with them. They're going to have fun working with you and you're going to get along. A lot less chance of having those red flag clients by putting yourself out there in that very authentic and vulnerable way. Yes, Natalie. So once you have your positioning, how does that impact the ability for you to be able to charge premium pricing? Ooh. Yeah. If somebody feels like they are in the hands of an expert and you are able to help them create a vision and see how they're going to get there and see how it's going to be better at the end of the journey together. And they feel reassured and they feel safe and they feel like you've been here, you've done that, you can do it again with success. They're much more willing to open up the pocketbook and spend more to get that kind of outcome. The other thing is, and, and we do a lot of work on pricing at One Without Pitching is, we like to put three different price options in front of clients versus just one. Because when you give somebody one price option, it forces them to go get comparisons. If you give them three options for ways to tackle the project, it allows them to feel like, okay, I have some choice here in the matter as well. We do that at, at DPI. We also do it at Wingnut to a lesser extent, but we have the, the consulting like for DIY clients. We have a larger package of consulting and then we have the full-blown luxury full-service design. So we do give them some options. and I, I think that's definitely helped. Don't you, Nat? Yeah, definitely. I just like the highest one. So now that we discuss a little bit about the pricing, how does Darla, let's say, get comfortable talking about money and asking for it? Because that's kind of her like, oh, how do I ask? What do I say? Yeah, it's often like the most scary thing for people. And I think part of it is there just needs to be just some reality around the fact that you have to practice, right? That always helps. And the other piece of it is Building confidence for yourself can help make it easier. And you build confidence for yourself in the sale when you feel like you're well positioned and you have a right to be at the table. And 
when your positioning is in order and the way that you talk about your business and and what you're going to deliver and what that client can expect, your personal balance sheet strengthens as a result. And it's much easier to pivot and say, okay, now we're going to talk about the piece of the equation that sometimes is uncomfortable, but I'm going to guide you through it. So let's talk a little bit about the investment you think you want to make in this project. So I also guide towards take away the word budget, talk about the investment you want to make because you are going to build something better for their future. And also, if you need to, just call it out. Hey, I don't love talking about money either, but we got to do it. Like, have some fun with it if you need to. So those are some ideas. That would be my approach for sure. Absolutely. Okay, so say you're out there, you're in the travel industry, you're an interior designer, you're in the hospitality industry. And what are some, because we're broadening our verticals, by the way, speaking of positioning. I noticed that. (laughs) We'll talk Um, later. Hey, now, wait a minute. I'm not sure about this talk later. (laughs) What are some red flags as you're sitting there waiting for the phone to ring that your positioning isn't a solid? I don't want you to be waiting for the phone to ring. Here's what I want. You want to be the one not only proactively marketing your business, right, to let people know who you help and how, but also to be the one that maybe has that top 10 list, for example, of clients that you'd like to work with and proactively trying to begin those conversations so that you can gauge, hey, how are people perceiving me out there? Are they seeing the value? Do I need to maybe reexamine things or explain things better? Does that kind of get to it? Absolutely. And let's have the conversation now about our branching out into the verticals with travel and tourism and hospitality. And I'll tell you the reason we did this was because our marketing firm is very experienced in marketing for brands with high aesthetic value. And commercial designers in travel and tourism and hospitality, they all just seem like a nice intertwining. They all just play so well together. So that was our thinking there. I love this phrase, brands with high aesthetic value, and the way that you tied it back to that, actually. That makes sense, right? Like, I think I just don't want it to feel like all things to all people. And I can see how you could group those things together and tie it together around that high aesthetic value. And then it really becomes your ability to pay that off, right? To explain that, to explain why that's the case. And again, like how you approach the work and you feel bought in on it. And it's consistent, right, in all the conversations that you have and all the touch points and experiences that your client has. Let's say you have a well-established reputation in the market with your current positioning. Are there cases in which changing your position could hurt your brand? Yeah, I think that you have to be pretty thoughtful if you have a really well-established brand and you've been around a long time. It can be really hard to pivot to something brand new. And so you may consider doing something like just launching a second brand, launching a new business altogether around the new positioning that you want to go after. Or you may really go through the exercise thoughtfully, build out the new messaging and positioning and make a big deal about why you're pivoting and where you're going and what you've learned that's caused you to want to do that, right? So there may be some risks, um, but I think it's also about how you frame it up for yourself and your clients and your prospects and being just really clear um, about what the difference is and who you may still serve, but what the future is going to look like for you. Uh, you know, it is your business after all. Very well said. I like that answer. I feel I feel more confident in my <laughs> my vertical expansion. <laughs> your vertical expansion. <laughs> It's your future and your business and your life. And if you see something that's exciting you want to go after, you should never not do that. I just think it's a case of how you tell that story thoughtfully. I'm 100% in it with the high aesthetic 
brands and the fact that they do all play well together. And I'd like to take credit for that. That was Kelly Campbell, our coach's idea. Because, you know, I like to hire people who are way smarter than me. That's one of my skills. Shannon, is there anything that I've forgotten to ask you that you think that would be important for the wingnuts to hear before we go into the what up wingnut round? I guess the only thing that I would say is like, I know these are challenging times, but we're doing so much work with so many great clients out there around positioning. And I think now is the time to take a hard look at everything and retool your business the way you really want to run it in the future. It's an opportunity right now, really. Yeah. And that's been our stance. And that still is. I mean, we probably won't see things going back to quote normal unquote till well into next year. So, I mean, just see what happens. You can always pivot, I think. Right. All right. Shannon Lee, now I have to ask you if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round. I'm so excited. Yes. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? I would be a birch tree because my nine-year-old daughter loves them. And so just to think she would love me as a birch tree is heartwarming. I love birch trees. That's a very good choice. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Hope people don't take offense, but it would be life's a banquet and most poor suckers are starving out there. (laughs) That's a long hashtag. (laughs) It is, right? (laughs) I love it, though. If you could be only one golden girl, who would it be? Oh, Blanche. I kind of love a Southern Belle, you know? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Blanche was quite a firecracker. Are you a firecracker? I think sometimes I am. I think uh, deep down I am, and sometimes I try to maybe reserve myself a little bit, but yeah. Please recommend a book that has had a profound effect on you either personally or professionally. So there's a book called The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell, and I have read it a number of times. And while the subject matter isn't necessarily happy, it's basically about Jesuits that go to space. It just like opened my mind to other beings that might be out there. You had me at Jesuits in space. Shannon Lee, please tell the Wingnuts listening where they can go and find out more about you and your awesome sauce services, and then we shall bid you adieu. Oh, you bet. So you can go to winwithoutpitching.com, www.winwithoutpitching.com, and there's lots of information there. All right, Shannon Lee, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I'm going to go put uh, Jesuits in space on my audible queue. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you have an amazing day. You too. Thank you both. Natalie Androff. Yes, Jethro. High Aesthetic Brands, Wingnut Social. I'm in it to win it. Win-win because you're convicted. Is that the right word? I have convictions. You have convictions for it. And that's kind of what I took away, that definitely you have to have some type of conviction to find out what your position is. So not only do you have to like winnow down what your positioning is going to be, you have to be able to explain it, the passion behind it, why it makes sense. Because remember, in the beginning, she was like, I saw that. I'm not quite so sure. But then when I explained it to her, she's like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thank you, Kelly Campbell. Exactly. And I said in the beginning, I said, it's where you fall. It's not really where you fall. It's actually where are you going to stand? Ooh. Ooh. All right, guys. So what's your position? You're horizontal? You upright? <laughs> are you supine? Are you prone? All right. I think that's it for this show. Now, if you guys like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell you're listening to the show on. Give us a call at one wingnut to help you with your marketing for your high aesthetic luxury brand. And I think that's it, Nat. So long. See ya. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head over to wingnutsocial.com or call us at 1-877-WINGNUT to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. We'll see you on the next episode of Wingnut Social, your social media tightly fastened.
I'll get you, my pretty. And your little dog, too. My Alice in Chains got interrupted with bidness. Next song, next song, next song. Man in the box, man in the box, man in the box. Nope. I just had a Debbie cake and a Diet Coke. Good boy, Mango.